I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick an obscure topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty gritty so that you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is Lonnie Johnson. Who is Lonnie Johnson? Well, he's an inventor and an engineer who holds over 130 patents. He's worked for NASA and the Air Force, contributing to many scientific advancements. He's also the person who created your childhood. Johnson begins. Lonnie Johnson was born on October 6th, 1949 in Mobile, Alabama. His father was a veteran of the Second World War and his mother was a nurse's aide. As a young child, Johnson was keenly inquisitive. He was constantly taking things apart and attempting to understand how they worked. He purportedly dissected his sister's doll so that he could understand how the eyes closed when the head tilted. He built a go-kart out of a lawnmower engine and a, from trash in a nearby junkyard. That was stilted as fuck. He was literally Fat Albert. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of awesome, though. Like, I don't know if you had... Or maybe he was the guy with that huge hat that covers his whole face. I don't remember that guy's name, but yes, that guy. Uh, I don't know if you had any time to watch interviews with him, but he seems like the nicest dude. Like, he's just kind of just like, yeah, I'm the, just tinkering away on all these things. Just making some stuff. Yeah, I mean, there there's some people like that in, in the world who just like... He, I, I mean, saying like easily amused or easily pacified is like kind of the wrong thing to say, because obviously he put a tremendous amount of work into gaining the skills that he has. But he seems like somebody who just has very simple desires out of life, which is like, I just want to make this stuff and make the world and, better. And like, that's it. Yeah. And I, that makes me perfectly happy. Yeah. And of course, I want to get paid for it. But. I just want to make this stuff. I don't want anything more out of life than to invent shit yeah. and like improve people's lives. Yeah. And he really has this kind of like almost um, kind of like a platonic approach to things where he's just kind of like, well, what would be the best version of this thing? This thing exists, but how do we make it better? Yeah. Like it's so it's so everything about him seems so pure, which means he's probably a serial axe murderer or something. Yeah. But, but it it all the interviews I watched with him was just like, man. You seem like just such a, a genuinely nice guy. Like, I feel like I'm a fairly kind person, but I come off like an asshole. Like, everything I do sounds sarcastic. Like, I'm kind of annoying. I'm like a former theater kid, so I'm always fucking singing and dancing and, like, doing dumb bits. And he's just, like, seems like somebody who's very secure in his own... Negative. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he seems like somebody who's who's very secure in his own little bubble and he kind of is not phased by things. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. It, it's nice to know that there are people out there that aren't constantly racked by like, how does this work? They're just like, oh yeah, just doing my thing. All of these compliments will make sense as we get later into this, I promise. In his most daring feat, young Johnson nearly burned down his family home completely because he was attempting to concoct homemade rocket fuel this uh this almost seems like a um i don't know i mean I, I don't know a lot about his like upbringing and his home life and sort of the early years of his life so i don't really know how accurate this is but you know this especially reading this part it reminded me a lot of that other kid um that uh he built he he built a nuclear reactor in his yeah. backyard 
and uh, it was this huge thing and like the the police came out and they had to like fucking remove this thing and then like like make sure that there wasn't like radio radioactive fallout that was like poisoning the neighborhood yeah and this kid just like figured out how to make a nuclear reactor by himself by just reading books and like he was able to like get all the radioactive isotopes by like buying a bunch of smoke detectors because they all have this like little uh tiny uh piece of like radioactive isotope in them and he bought like hundreds of them and like he, he just like he's a kid and he like called the company and just like tricked them into thinking he was an adult and um built this thing obviously a super smart kid uh but it seemed like his parents just really didn't number one they weren't sort of supportive of his his endeavors and his like intellectual development and also they sort of like when this all happened they kind of uh approached it in a very kind of like shame based way and this kid ended up, you know, he, he, as he got older, he had a lot of issues with like drug use and mental illness. And then he ended up dying. Um, and this almost seems like the opposite scenario mm. where it seems like his parents must have been very supportive and cultivated this. And, you know, a very similar story uh, down to the fact, down to this little detail of like as a kid, like trying to make rocket fuel in his backyard. Um, but channeling that all into a place of positivity and it sort of going on to enrich his life with uh, tremendous success. Yeah, yeah. Both literally and metaphorically. His childhood hero was George Washington Carver because who doesn't like peanut butter, baby? Isn't it, uh, isn't, isn't it like a myth that he invented peanut butter? What? Is it really? I don't know. I just wrote that in the script because I thought that was a thing. Did he not invent peanut butter? I'm going to be so sad. Uh... Oh man! If this, if I'm, if I'm, if this is m- made up and wrong, at the very least, um, our band's first album is going to be named um, George Washington Carver Peanut Butter Myth. <laughs> That's that. At least we got that out of it. Uh, contrary to popular belief, George Washington Carver did not invent peanut ah, butter. Ah, damn it! He was one of the greatest inventors in American history, discovering over 300, uh, 300 uses for peanuts, including chili sauce, shampoo, shaving cream, and glue. He was a pioneer in the agricultural world, and many refer to him as the father of the peanut in- industry. His innovations also increased the legumes' popularity and made peanuts a staple in the American diet. Um, the earliest reference to peanut butter can be traced back to the ancient Incas and the Aztecs, who grounded roasted peanuts into a paste. However, modern peanut butter, its process of production and the equipment used to make it can be credited to at least three inventors. Uh, Marcellus Gilmore Edison of Canada, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg, uh, the creator of Kellogg's cereal, who also, as a side note, uh, is uh, was obsessed with little boys masturbating in the 50s. Yeah. And due to his uh, uh, funding of uh, political uh, uh, lob- uh, propaganda lobbies, uh, created the myth of having to shower every day because doctors believed that the reason why kids were masturbating is because they were dirty and it was causing them to like scratch themselves, which led to arousal, which led to jerking off. And so they created this whole propaganda campaign that you had to shower daily in order to be clean and healthy because they thought that it would lower the masturbation rate, even though it <laughs> actually skyrocketed it, because that's the best place to do it. Uh, that is so crazy. I've never heard that before. And before that, people only showered like two or three times a week. And you're actually not supposed to shower daily because it's bad for the natural oils on your skin. 
which can lead to uh, premature wrinkling and uh, visual aging if you shower too much. Man. And that was all because uh, Dr. John Harvey Kellogg was just weirdly obsessed with little boys jerking off. JHK, that, pe- that piece of shit, JHK. Yeah, but he is partially credited for. I feel like we're gonna have to do patenting ep- the process for creating peanut butter from raw peanuts. And then, lastly, Doctor Ambrose Straub of St. Louis, Missouri. Ambrose Straub is not a real person. For patenting the peanut butter making machine. Ambrose Straub is a fucking pseudonym. Yeah, um, that guy's name is Jerry Smith. Uh, oh, they, they, they all have, they're all credited for like different parts of the, so the first guy, Marcellus Gilmore Edison, uh, in 1884, he patented peanut paste, uh, the finished product from milling roasted peanuts between two heated surface, uh, old, uh, dirty John <laughs> jerk off <laughs> Kellogg, uh, patented the process of creating peanut butter from raw peanuts. And then, uh, Jerry Smith or whatever you said, uh, patented a peanut butter making machine. Man. So yeah, so it's like well, I, I officially <laughs> I officially apologize to the Deep Cuts fan base, the massive uh, cavernous void that is our adoring public for lying to you and saying that George Washington Carver invented peanut butter and then making a peanut butter joke. I will never do that, that again. Was a, that I was violated a, the trust. That was a peanut butter joke forged in lies. Yes, um, I apologize to the public. However, in 1968, Johnson represented his high school in the Alabama State Science Fair. He was the only African-American student at the competition. His project? A robot. A full-on robot named Linux, which used compressed air to power itself. He took first place. Also, For proving that it could love. <laughs> also, again, 1968, Alabama. This is the South. Shit is really bad. Oh, I mean, I don't think we mentioned this, but Lonnie Johnson is an Afri- is a is a black man. Oh yeah, African American. I mean, yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So his his life at this point had a very specific patina to it. Obviously, encountered a lot of racists and people saying that he could not um, excel in life. And, and he was like, "I built a fucking robot." Yes, literally built a robot. Can you build a robot, motherfucker? And it the best part is that it looks like a cartoon robot. Like it's like half his size. And it's got a big boxy chest, and it looks awesome. Like, I want to be friends with Lonnie Johnson of however old he was in 1968. When was he born? Uh, 49. So he was, was that 19? Yeah, 19. I want to be best friends with that dude, because he looked like he was just living life, making robots and shit. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, isn't that photo great? Oh my god. It's just like a little, it's like Wally. Yeah, yeah. Copy and paste that shit into the script so I can see it. Uh... Yeah, it's it's so good. I and I love the fact too that he was just like, ah oh, man, racists don't want me to do this. I guess I'll just build a fucking robot. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so cool. Ah, oh, fuck it. Whatever. Well, let me click on the thing. Who cares? Um, he then went on to attend Tuskegee University on a math scholarship, where he graduated with a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering, and then eventually a master's in nuclear engineering. After college, Johnson started work uh, in the Air Force, where he worked on a jet propulsion system for the stealth bomber program, um, because even even the most beloved of heroes have feet of clay. So got to work in the military industrial complex, killing people at some point. What's his weakness? <laughs> he um, has become death, destroyer of worlds. Yeah. After this, Johnson went on to work for NASA, where he killed decidedly less people. Um, I'm joking. I don't actually know if the stealth bomber was actually used to kill people. I think it was mostly used for reconnaissance. But... Regardless, 
after this, Jonathan uh, went on to work at NASA where he took part in the Jet Propulsion Lab, harnessing nuclear power sources to fuel the Galileo mission to Jupiter. Johnson first came up with the idea for the invention that we're about to reveal while working in the Air Force. So what's the, so what, what is the invention? We have we have this genius. He built, this genius. He created rocket fuel in his backyard as a child. He made a fucking robot to fly in the face of adversity. That and robot was that, and the robot is proof of. Um, interracial friendship because the robot is made of white plastic. Yeah. He said, fuck you, white people. I'll make my own person and the, to hang out the with. The first words that the robot said were, race is a social construct. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely did. Linux's first words were race is a social construct. He was in the Air Force. He learned how to harness nuclear energy to f- to fuel a, a, a space exploration to Jupiter. So what did this man invent? The super soaker, baby. The motherfucking super soaker. Yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, he, he, basically he got he the He has become death. Destroyer, destroyer of non, of destroyer of boredom. <laughs> That's good. I was gonna say. I was gonna say destroyer of Timmy Johnson's church clothes. <laughs> no man, he is he is fun destroyer of boredom. Uh, he got the idea while working in the Air Force. Uh, he came up with the idea while working on a project in his bathroom. Uh, he was trying to um, make a pressurized hose system and ended up running water through it, and it ended up shooting highly pressurized water across the room. And he looked at it and was like, huh, that was like weirdly satisfying. I wonder if I could like put this into some sort of portable tool and then I could like run around like getting people wet. That'd be really funny to play as a practical joke. While Dr. Kellogg was in the bathroom, he was thinking, how do I keep these kids from squirting? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh my god. But our hero, Lonnie Johnson. <laughs> Lonnie Johnson is just out here going, how can we how can everyone squirt? Man, woman, and child. How can every human on earth just get squirted? He is the antithesis. He is. He's of the anti Kellogg. He's the anti Kellogg. Nega Kellogg. Nega Kellogg. Um he, He's wait, so that wait, so that if he's Nega Dave and Nega Kellogg, then does that mean that you Am I Kellogg? <laughs> Am I secretly Walter in your Kellogg? spare time? Do you just write just fucking uh, just diatribes about the dangers of childhood masturbation? Obviously. Yeah. Have you looked at my face? Book page where your scrawlings are? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yeah. You're the only one that still uses the note feature. <laughs> uh, he tooled away on this project in his free time, slowly coming up with designs for the soon to be iconic toy. And in October, of 1983, the 14th to be exact, he applied for a U.S. patent from the patent department. He spent the next seven years attempting to find a toy company to bring on board and help him develop the toy. He would soon start down the path of seemingly interested company after seemingly interested company, and then eventually they would change their minds and in one extreme case, go out of business just before signing a contract with Johnson. I had a friend who uh, had a had a girlfriend who moved to Texas, mm. and I wonder if this is a similar situation. You mean like you think Lonnie Johnson made up the fact that he got close so many times? No, that uh, this company was like, oh yeah, we're we're going bankrupt. <laughs> 
fuck. Oh shit. Sorry, bro. We literally they're they're literally carrying my computer out of my office right now. I'm typing this compute this message to you as I'm being loaded into the truck. Uh, yeah, and that was how it ended. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, you, you, looking back on this, it's like. Who was fucking passing over the super soaker? Idiots, that's who. The fucking idea of the century? Yeah. Have you seen the prototype? It's really funny. It's like a it's like a it's like a pistol handle and then like a like one of those big like 20 liter Coke bottles, but I think it's like a Sprite bottle because it's green, and then like a pump on the front, and it looks super janky, but also ah, yes. it's basically just a, like it, that is the Super Soaker. Yeah, it lo- it has the it has that iconic shape to it. Yeah, it's exactly like it. Yeah, uh, I feel like I feel like uh, that moment in uh, in Big when whenever he f- starts like gaining traction in the toy company because mm-hmm. he has the. He has the, the, the raw perspective of a child. So he's like, what the fuck? Like, kids don't want to play with, like, a building that turns... In, and then he, like... And then they're like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I I feel that looking at this, where it's like, who who would look at this and be like, nah. Like, they should have had... They should have had a fucking kid in a adult's body at some of these companies. I agree. On May 27th... Because this is a no-brainer. No-brainer! On May 27th, 1986, he would finally receive his patent with the serial number 4591071. I don't know why I included that in the script. I guess I, in case you want to double check my <laughs> my claims that he actually did file a patent for this. I like that, though. I, I, I appreciated that because I, I just I love the idea of these things that are just kind of like like public record where you can just go and you can look this up. And like yeah. I, I, I like I, I think stuff like that is interesting. In 1989, now remember, this is a full six years after he first filed for the patent, he would attend New York Toy Fair, where he would meet the founders of Laramie Toy Corporation. He pitched them the idea and used a homemade prototype to convey said super soaker. They liked it and decided to move forward under the title The Power Drencher. Which sounds like, it sounds like... an Amanda show sketch. It really does. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. The power drencher. Where it's like a sketch where it's like a commercial for the power drencher. And then like it's Drake Bell and Amanda Bynes and like the power drencher like shoots gravy or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. They're just yeah. like squirting each other in the face and, and they're like, it's gravy. Like that's what that the sounds like. The power drencher is so gravy. Yeah. Uh, needless to say, you know, it's probably not going to make it to the shelves with that, uh, title. Um, that's right. The original Super Soaker was called the Power Drencher. It was released. Oh shit. See, I spoke too soon. It was released like this into stores with the name Power Drencher in 1990. It was not a success. It was a failure. The Power Drencher could have been a huge success if it was just sold in a slightly different type of store. Yeah, this is very true. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Fascinations. The type of store where children are are not allowed to go into. The Power Drencher, brought to you by Fascinations. Deep Cuts, brought to you by (laughs) AdamandEve.com. Sign up up for an account and use the promotional code Deep Cuts, and you can get the Power Drencher for 20% off. Deep Cuts, brought to you by Madison, Ashley Madison. Uh, Life's short. Cheat while you can. (laughs) That's the slogan i think it actually was it's not like literally that but their their slogan used to be life's short have an affair yeah life short do the dumbest thing that any person could do in the history of this world and literally leave a receipt paper trail for your adulterous affair 
Yeah, why not? Why not be like Ashley Madison? Life's short. Be honest with those around you and tell them that you don't like them anymore and separate yourselves and then go have as many consensual relationships as you'd like, as opposed to being a duplicitous piece of shit. Also part of this slogan is, we're going out of business. <laughs> Ashley Madison, where it's just a bunch of dudes talking to each other. <laughs> and then like one bot. Yeah. That's like a sexy. A sexy bot named Ashley Madison. However, the toy company that Johnson licensed the idea to, Laramie, believed in the idea so much that they retooled the idea under the new name Super Soaker and re-released the toy again, this time to massive success. In 1991, the Super Soaker made over $200 million do you in sales. Th- do you think that that was solely because of the name? Yeah. Because if that is the case, that is fucking crazy. Yeah, I think it really it's is. It's the same thing. It's the same it goddamn. It looks the same. Yep. Just the little fucking name on the in the little Times New Roman text in the catalog is different. Yeah. And that was the di- was the difference between flop and 200 million in the first year? That's fucking nuts. Yeah, it is. But it's but I think it's it's not just that it's like people respond to the name Super Soaker more. It's that you have to think about you're going through regional sales directories. You're going through middle management people who are like they're they're not even like looking at images of what the toy is. They're just looking at like a spreadsheet of like toy names and being like, I'll take four of those, two hundred of these, six of those, five thousand of these. You know what I mean? And so like a good name in that environment really like it's it makes or breaks it like I, I've seen that even just from comics like the comics that I've made that have names that are fine normal names that are descriptive they sell fine normal but our book fuck off squad we've sold hundreds of them to people who have no interest on what's in it this year at San Diego I, there, was, there was a bunch of grandmas like like literally and i don't mean that in just because they were people that were elder i mean literally they were there with their grandchildren and that was like their the fun vacation thing they had done and so there was like three kids running around and then there were these three grandmas that were taking them around and each one of those grandmas came and bought fuck off squad beanies from us because of the name they thought fuck off squad was a funny name some edgy grandmas dude those grandmas were the shit they were awesome i was like i want you to be my grandmas let's hang out I mean, my 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 comic, uh, you're going to get to see naked girls in this is a smash success. Yeah, I, I am working on a book right now called um, Titty, 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 Titty. Yeah. And it's it's going to sell really well. It's a sequel to Titty, Titty, Bang, Bang. Yes. Yes. Uh, which is a sequel to Look Into My Butthole. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> that, had, that that had that had to wash over us. Yeah. I think we I think we both simultaneously realized how ri- not good ridiculous yeah, that we, was. We were both just like in unison, <laughs> mentally like no. I did not enjoy any of that. Those things that just came out of my mouth. <laughs> No. With the super soaker tearing up the charts, Johnson decided to turn his attention to what's next. He had an idea for another toy. One that we haven't discussed yet. A toy that would define many people's childhoods in a similar fashion to the super soaker. In 1996, Lonnie Johnson received another patent for a pneumatic launcher for toy projectiles and the like. Any guesses what it was? Well, this toy was eventually titled the Nerf Gun. What? That's right. The guy... He invented the Nerf Gun too? 
<laughs> That's right. Lonnie Johnson not only created the Super Soaker, but also created the fucking Nerf gun. The Nerf gun. This is crazy. This is crazy. One, you, this guy was the real Santa Claus. This guy was the real fucking Santa Claus. Yeah. You know how there was that one, there was the black Santa in Walgreens? Yeah. That was the real one. <laughs> yeah. Lonnie Johnson was the black All Santa. All along. Yeah. Yeah. But he's the version of Santa that goes by that goes by that uh, that uh, that saying: uh, "Give a man a fish, feed him for a day; teach a man to fish, teach, feed him for a lifetime." He didn't. He wasn't just bringing toys. He was fucking inventing shit. Yep. He was inventing handheld projectile devices to make young children freak the fuck out and lose their minds all the time, and then get their toys taken away, and then start crying. And then have their parents be like, ah, fine, fuck it, whatever. And give them back the toys. He invented the the mutually assured destruction that occurred on the streets of your neighborhood. When, like, from week to week, it was like, who's going to have the biggest fucking super soaker ever? Yep. yep. It starts out with the regular super soaker. And then you get that big one with the fucking spinning chamber. And then it all culminates in when that the richest kid comes out with the fucking backpack. Yep. The fucking water tank backpack. Yep. And you're just like, he won. He's we're, He's, we're fucked. Yeah. We're fucked. We are not going home dry today. Nope. Not happening. Growing up in Arizona, uh, this was a way of life. Yeah. Because the only way you could mm-hmm. go outside was with a super soaker. And nine times out of ten, you had to shoot yourself with the super soaker to not die of dehydration. Yeah. It was like a weird, like, anti-suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Life was good for Lonnie Johnson. The 90s, man, he was riding high. Millions and millions of dollars, all kinds of success. Too massively successful. This guy is the Elvis Presley of children. Yep, yeah, things were good. He's the real Walt Disney yeah. of little kids. Yeah, Walt Disney. The one that they don't know about. The, it, the one in the, that's operating in the background, and you don't really realize it. Yeah, yeah, Lonnie but Johnson. I could, I could live without Mickey Mouse, but fucking super soakers and Nerf guns? Yeah, dude. And, unfortunately, this is the point in our story where everything takes a dark turn. Act 2, Participation. Lonnie Johnson was riding high. His plans, well, they were working. He wanted to control the entirety of the toy gun market. And he fucking He fucking did it. Did, yeah. Thanks to Nerf and Super Soakers, he was doing just that. However, he noticed over the next few years that his royalty statements from Hasbro were diminishing. Hasbro was cooking the books. They weren't including him on the proper percentages for the Super Soaker, which was nearing $1 billion in sales. So, what did he do? Our boy, Lonnie Johnson, nicest dude on the block, sued. Sometimes you gotta sue. Sometimes you just gotta sue. Normally in a situation like this, it's David and Goliath. It's a case of, there's no way we're going to win, but let's prove a point. Well, Lonnie Johnson, he was a different story. Even though Hasbro had been underpaying him, he was still a very wealthy man. He had set up two other companies, licensed numerous of his 130-odd additional patents to other endeavors. He wasn't going to be taken advantage of, so he got high-priced lawyers and went to town. 
After a protracted legal battle, the case finally resolved in November of 2013. You want to guess what happens? You think he got fucked? You think he went? You think he won? Which way? Which way do you fall? What are your instincts telling you about this? After all you've heard of this man... I mean, for me, I would probably side on the fact that he got fucked because nobody ever wins. Yeah, of course. But... But... He was awarded back royalties totaling a grand sum of $73 million! The motherfucker won! That motherfucker won! God damn it! I and just broke this thing! <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. Lonnie Johnson will fucking invented replacement... Yes, I agree. Lonnie Johnson is the man, and fuck you, Hasbro. Lonnie Johnson got paid $73 million. A, a, a little more, a little more um, back uh, information on, on this, on the actual details of the lawsuit and the, the situation around it. There was actually a, a recent um, uh, update to this. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so... Does it involve uh, Sophia Stewart? Yes. It, it, she came out and revealed that she actually invented the super soaker. Yeah. Um, it was called the... The, the, the third eye the, soaker? The, the chakra exploder. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, so she's suing Lonnie Johnson. Um, oh, great. No, but so so in 2013, he won that uh, that case. Uh, but I guess, it, I guess it was like still tied up in like legal red tape for a while and mm. it was only just recently that he actually got the money oh wow really? so this is like a thing that just happened um that he got this 73 million dollars um and and basically the details behind the whole case are his royalties setup was two percent royalties for three-dimensional products which is like selling the actual thing yeah and then one percent royalty for two-dimensional visual representation so anytime the super soakers were shown in like a catalog or a magazine or a, a movie or a tv show or whatever a licensed product in a show he got one percent royalties from that uh the suit says hasbro sold water guns oh and then the way that hasbro was sort of getting around this was that they basically uh, started phasing out the Super Soaker and replacing it with just a different gun that was just exactly the Super Soaker, but it was just called something different. So imagine was it if, called the Power Drencher? Yeah. So imagine if they just said like, "Oh, uh, yeah, we, you know, we're not we're not doing the Super Soaker anymore. Now we got the 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 water launch." And it's just it's just a super soaker. It's slightly changed to not have that iconic look that super soakers do, but it's the same technology. It's the same uh, patented technology that the super soaker is. And so they started selling these, and he was basically like, "I don't give a fuck what you call it. That's a super soaker. This is my thing. You owe me money from this." Um, and the courts, you know, saw it his way. Um, so uh, he 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 uh, was awarded all this back royalties from these years that Hasbro was underreporting revenue and also kind of trying to get around it by making a different product that was like supposed to be not a super soaker but it just blatantly was mm, those motherfuckers yeah they're out here they're like no this bulbous ass fucking cartridge on the back of this stupid fucking neon orange gun it's a water launcher yeah it's not it's not a super soaker it's a water launcher fuck you hasbro Fuck you, Hasbro. Also, where's my Super Soaker connected cinematic universe? We don't care about Transformers no more. Yeah. We don't care about G.I. Joe no more. Give us a Super Soaker Nerf movie. Dude, where's the anthropomorphized, googly-eyed Nerf gun movie? It's like E.T. We got a we got an emoji movie starring T.J. Miller as a, an emoji. 
Starring Patrick Stewart as a literal piece of excrement? And we don't have a Super Soaker movie? Look, I'm just saying, give me my Super Soaker versus... Starring Bokeem Woodbine as the Super Soaker? I I actually know him. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he worked on a short film that I... Like, when I first moved to L.A., he was, like... There was this web series called Agent 88. It was, like, a really silly, what if James Bond was an old lady and Bokeem was in it. And so you're saying... He was very nice. You're, so you're saying that we are going to make the Super Soaker movie with Bokeem, Bokeem. Woodbine, Woodbine... I think so. ...as the Super Soaker. I think so, yeah. I mean, what else is he doing? Being in Spider-Man? Fuck that. Fuck that. Bokeem, look at this. Look at this gun. Do you see this gun right here? This is going to be you, my dude. This super soaker that's bringing joy to millions. This is you. Hit me up, Bokeem. I know you still got my email. Time to get soaked. That's the, that's the end line of the movie trailer. Yeah. Time to get soaked. And then you then you do a, a Nerf movie starring Melissa Benoist as the Nerf gun. Yeah. And, and then you cross, you cross them over. over. Yeah. Yeah. The the SSNG And her, her tagline is she shoots somebody and then she goes, I guess he picked nothing. That is exactly what it is. How did you know this? I was literally going to say those exact words. Because <laughs> that's the only thing that could be said. Melissa, That's why. Melissa, you, you, we both know you got our email addresses. Let's do this. Bokeem, Bokeem, Miss Benoist, Bokeem v. Benoist, Don of Soakage. We're here for it. We're in, we're in, we're in deep. There's no way that you can. We're going to be as rich as Lonnie Johnson from this. Probably not, but maybe. Since then, John Johnson's companies, Johnson R&D, Accelatron Solid State LLC, Johnson Electromechanical Systems LLC, and Johnson Battery Technologies, Inc. have made large advancements in the areas of green energy and battery production. I love these names of these companies because while he is a brilliant uh, inventor and scientist and engineer, you know that he named these these names because he's a fucking nerd and they sound no and they sounded cool to him. No shit. Johnson Accelatron Solid State LLC. <laughs> that sounds like an evil business from yeah. like a sh- fucking shitty 70s Marvel comic. Yep. Yeah. Johnson Electromechanical Systems LLC. I'd like to work there. J-E-M-S. J-E-M-S, bro. What do you work? Oh, I just work at J-E-M- J-E-M-S. Yeah. I mean, if this said he founded fucking Cyberdyne, I wouldn't even bat an eye. I mean, Cyberdyne sounds more fake than Excelatron. Excelatron doesn't sound like a real fucking company. Yeah. But it is. And they have hundreds of patents. Yeah. Which he controls and they make him rich as fuck because they're not just dumb, shitty. This this whole story is just so, I'm so gobsmacked by it because I work in an industry of just like fucking flim flammery. There's just nothing is real. Like Like the tech bro industry, it's just people like, Making money off of, like, literally nothing. Well, I mean, that's what it says on your business card, right? It says Andrew Price, professional flim-flamist. Yes. Um, And it's just so, it's, like, so crazy to read this and just be like, he... He's like, he make, he's, like, invented, like, these actually useful, substantive things that genuinely improve the world. He deserves every fucking dollar that he gets. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's worked to develop clean energy engines, batteries... And propulsion systems to help the betterment of mankind and battle the oncoming climate crisis. 
Pisces. I think it's great, man. He's like real life Tony Stark, but without the bullshit, like problematic backstory. He's the best. I want Lonnie Johnson to be my friend. I don't know if we'd actually have anything in common because he's a fucking genius yeah. and I'm a fucking comics nerd over here in the corner being like, but he seems like a super nice dude and also super soakers. He's got $73 million. Yes, he does. On top of all the millions of dollars that he has. All the other stuff. So I feel like we can now move into a, a, a new area of this conversation, one that is a little bit less Lonnie Johnson is the shit, even though Lonnie Johnson is the shit. I have some questions for you. One, does the cultural prevalence of Nerf guns and super soakers serve as like a subconscious military propaganda? Like, does it condition people to be okay with guns and or police officers having giant fucking assault rifles? I'll answer in this way. Whenever I was a kid, I had not only all these types of guns, but I also had like cowboy cap guns, uh, the kind where it's like the little, you know, Mm -hmm. revolver and then you stick that little roll of like the little things in it and then you pull the trigger and it pops them. Um, with the holsters, I played cowboy all the time, um, had tons of super soakers, tons of nerf guns, played with kids, was fun. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever amount of normalizing of like the military industrial complex that had as an effect on me or my friends, I don't know. Um, I don't feel like it's had an overt conscious effect on me. Uh, I don't like guns. I don't ever want to be around a gun. Um, I get nervous anytime there's, I, I, I was at my friend's house years ago and he's like a gun nut and he like took out his gun and was like showing it to us. And it was like not loaded at all, but I was just like, I don't want to be in here. Um, but you know, whatever unconscious effect it might've had on me, I can't say, I don't know, but I I don't think it, I I don't feel like it's had a conscious overt effect on me. But what I will say is I don't want my son playing with guns. I, I, we, we don't like him having guns, toys. Um, I get angry and annoyed whenever we like go visit my family and he'll like play with, uh, my nephew and my nephew will play like violent gun based games with them or games that involve killing. Uh, I really, I get really annoyed by it because it's just like, you know, as he's getting older, it's like, and not that you should shelter kids indefinitely. And the part of life is going, you know, going out of your comfort zone and being sort of responsible for your own development and not just being sheltered by your parents. But as he's getting older, my ability to sort of curate his environment is uh, getting harder and harder and it's getting more and more out of my hands. Um, And that's, you know, kind of frustrating and scary uh, for that to happen and just kind of be like, yeah, once he starts going to school, like they're just going to play these games and there's literally nothing I can do about it. But, you know, for the, you know, for the time being, as much as I kind of like my knee jerk reaction is like not to want to censor things or like restrict uh, things from people being able to like have them. And as much as I'm just like, ah, it's just, it's a fucking super soaker. Who cares? Um, in actual practice with my son, I just don't, I, I, I don't want him playing with guns. Um, uh, because I just really don't, I don't want exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. The question you're asking, I, I do not want him to internalize violence like that. Um, which is, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that goes into it because, I grew up watching like violent as fuck movies, action movies and horror movies with just graphic violence, graphic gore, 
loved and love every fucking second of it. Uh, huge fan, uh, and I would not have wanted to be restricted or or um, uh, prevented from watching that kind of stuff when I was a kid. Uh, but as a parent, I'm just like, no, I don't want him being exposed to all this violence and shit. It's like terrible. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, I don't know what that means because I feel like I, I feel like it didn't have a, that negative of an effect on me personally. But maybe it did in subconscious ways that I can't really recognize. Um, and also there's that fear of like, yeah, I turned out fine, but that still doesn't reassure me that that uh, he's going to make the right decisions and go through the same kind of mental development that I did. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting because, you know, the, the like Reagan, the Reagan 80s boom of like nationalism and G.I. Joe and pro-military stuff. I loved G.I. Joe as a kid. Still love G.I. Joe. But it definitely, I don't know that it, I don't know if it affected me. It's hard to say, but I will say that I know that it did affect a lot of people and a bunch of people I knew that were really into G.I. Joe as a kid went into the military, but also there's not all that many options in Arizona. So a lot of people I knew went into the military to yeah. just try and get out of Arizona. So it's hard. I don't know. It's I, let me ask you this. Do you think it would be different culturally if they were not referred to as guns? Yeah, I mean, the, the super soaker and I guess the nerf gun as well are the um, the best candidates for that of like they, they're vaguely gun shaped, but they're not literal approximations of guns like a real toy gun is like a like those cap gun revolvers or like a, a, a toy handgun or like when you get a like little cop and robber set or whatever, like those are just literally like this is a one to one. this is supposed to be a killing device. Yeah. You, nobody's nobody's getting killed by a super soaker. Um, <laughs> super soakers and nerf guns are like gun shaped vaguely, but they're really nerf not guns more supposed so supposed like, to be like they're not they're not it's not like a it's not like this is a gun. It's like this is a water squirting device and this is a dart shooting device. So they're a little bit more removed from that where, yeah, it, it could be sort of maybe disassociated from that. And it's like, you know, if they were presented and branded in a different way, because obviously kids utilize them as a gun approximation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, when you're playing water, you're, you're, you're pretending like you're killing each other. You're pretending like you're in a war or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, if they were presented in a way and if they were um, if they were um, if they were introduced differently to kids and if kids internalize them differently, I think you could get away with those toys sort of existing in a different mental space and not being thought of as a gun, but just as a water squirter or a dart shooter. Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It, these are all very interesting topics to me, and I don't know that I have a fully crystallized opinion. Um, I think I think I've, I could kind of be convinced either way. I think there is something very terrifying about our our cultural recreation being, I mean, and I did it too. Like when I was a kid, you know, you cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, whatever, whatever the, the the antiquated anachronistic title of the game is. You know, it's us versus them. You're playing us versus them. Chuchi Wuchis and David Burns. Yes. It's definitely a Chuchi Wuchis and David Burns. Um, that was how I played. Yeah, I mean, I, I was always a Chuchi Wuchi, uh, but yeah. you know, that's not that's that's not saying you're inferior for being a. Yeah, I was I was I was a Chuchi Wuchi. I, I definitely felt uncomfortable about ever playing the David Byrne because I just felt like it was sort of cultural appropriation in some way. Yeah, I never had enough giant I, shoulder pads to feel comfortable as a David Byrne. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't. I. It's a complex conversation, you know, how art interacts with society. And I don't know that I have a concrete codified 
opinion of how I feel about it. But I would say there's one thing that I think we can probably both agree on. But I will ask you this as in the form of a question. Do you think that Lonnie Johnson would be a bigger staple culturally in America if he were white? Going back to the Sophia Stewart episode, this is both an example of a real legitimate person um, who really created something and then had some element of that stolen from them. But it's also simultaneously an example of that happening, but then the person actually receiving justice and the courts saying, like, you're right, they stole from you, give them the money. So it's simultaneously a real example of that kind of adversity and oppression against, uh, you know, whether you say it's against a black inventor or just a small independent inventor who was taken advantage of by a large corporation and you don't even add the racial element to it. Um, it's, it's a real example of that and it's all, but it's also a success story for that type of story. Um, as opposed to the Sophia Stewart story where it's an example of an outrageous lie and then just this weird societal gaslighting. And I really think that she was and is manipulative in the way that she co-ops and appropriates this concept of uh, black creators being stolen from and taken advantage of by large corporations slash white society in the same way that uh, she co-opted that and, and utilized it for evil. Um, I think that it's a real thing that exists. Otherwise, why would she have used it as a Trojan horse, I guess? Um, whether or not it would have been different if Lonnie Johnson was white, I, I don't really know. I, I, like, maybe, but I, 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 this, to me, this doesn't feel like a clear-cut thing of, like, this definitely happened because he was black. I don't even, for me, it's not even that. I just... I think that this person is an exemplar of American ingenuity. They're objectively brilliant. They're exceedingly wholesome. And they contributed not one, but two things that are quintessentially American in pop culture. Yeah. And their con contributions have been erased mm -hmm. out of just apathy, really. Not there's. I don't necessarily know that there's one person being like, that Lonnie Johnson, we're never going to say his name in public again. But there are definitely a myriad of opportunities where credit could have been given to him that wasn't. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that was motivated purely out of racial animus, but if that person was white, the structural safeguards would have protected their contributions more. We would we would know in the same way that we know who Walt Disney was before the Disneyland and all of these other things. Like you just knew that person's name, whereas I, I, yeah, I just, I don't, you know, structural racism is a thing. And I think that he's a perfect example of someone who's contributed an, an immense, immense amount, either for good or ill. I think it's mostly good, but who knows how an entire generation of people growing up shooting each other has affected us. I, I don't think it's been a bad thing, probably. Because we've been doing this for the last hundred years. This is just the current or the, you know, the 30 year version ago mm -hmm. update to it. Um, but I, yeah, I think that he definitely has not received the credit that he deserves. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's an outlandish thing to say. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems, it seems easy to put this into the larger umbrella of, um, black creators and entrepreneurs, um, uh, being overlooked by a society, uh, an apathetic society, like you said, um, it, it fits very well within that narrative. 
I can tell you one thing. If he was a white kid in the South and he invented a fucking robot, he wouldn't have just won the national. Yeah, he'd been talked about in the newspaper. Yeah, yeah 100, he, would, he would have been yeah. fucking exalted throughout mm-hmm. the entire South of like, look at this kid. Look what he did. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the the most uh, diff- the, the the most effect on it that it would have had was in sort of like publicity. Yeah, uh, but, which, but that's which, what I, which is which could have completely uh, changed everything. Yeah, that that's uh, kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Like as you know, as as the super soakers became being written up in yeah. ma- magazines and things like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and then he developed all of these other companies, these green technology companies, these you know engines. Like, there's no reason why Lonnie Johnson should not be thought of as Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. Like, he's doing very similar, theoretically benevolent things, you know? Um, But he just invented a fucking toy on top of it as opposed to taking credit for PayPal. Fucking sick burn. Sick burn on (laughs) fucking, uh, what's his face? Elon Musk. I don't know. This is, it's fascinating to me, though, to to learn about this dude. Like, I, I just can't believe that. He did all of this. It's so crazy. Yeah. The, uh, and the fact that he like made it through like years of rejection, like his entire childhood of people just being like, nope, you're not good enough. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, we know you built a fucking robot, but eh, whatever. Yeah, we know you helped us fucking send the Galileo mission to Jupiter, but eh, whatever. It's crazy. A lot of iconic um, people, like as, as you learn more about them, you sort of like you almost get slowly disillusioned with them where you as you learn more and more of the truth and you learn you become more knowledgeable of how like not as involved in things as you thought they were they are mm-hmm. uh or it's like oh you know going back to the other episode that uh where we have discussed Stan Lee and yeah and you know you start out by being like oh Stan Lee he's like the guy who writes who makes all these comics and then you slowly learn like oh well actually there's a there's a process where there's an artist and then he sort of like comes up with like an outline for it and then the artist and it's like a collaborative process and then you go to the next stage of like oh like he actually had very little to do with actually making any of these comics and just as you learn more and more about him you're then he he almost you become disillusioned with him and you're just like oh he was just kind of like a business guy like he was yeah he was just like a figurehead uh, Walt Disney is kind of a, the same thing. When you're a kid, you just think you, like it, there's there's a little bit of like a fuzzy logic to it, but you're just like that guy makes all the Disney stuff. And then you get old, you get older, and you learn more, and you're like, oh no, he was just kind of like the the owner of the company, and like he was just like a businessman. Um, and uh, there's there's tons of other examples. Um, uh, Elon Musk, going back to him, it's like oh Elon Musk, he's this fucking genius. A guy who makes all these crazy things and he's trying to revolutionize society. Not really. He just, he's like kind of just a figurehead for a couple companies and they're the ones that are actually doing the work. And he's just kind of a CEO, outward facing guy who like, he's kind of like a hype man. He's like the flavor flave of Tesla and SpaceX and all these things. And, you know, he's not even really that rich. Like, he, like he, he's really just kind of like this weird business celebrity guy. Um, Lonnie Johnson is kind of like the direct opposite of that, where just the more you learn about him, the more he just becomes the platonic ideal of the holistic creator of something. Like he, he really made these things. He, and not only did he, he didn't, if he had just only invented the super soaker, he would still be fucking badass. Yeah. But he invented Nerf and the Super Soaker. And then that was just kind of like icing on on the cake for a bunch of like real practical inventions that he's made that are, you know, not as exciting or cool, but are more 
philanthropical or yeah. at a humanitarian level. Which is funny too, because it's that like that was his plan. That's the thing that's so crazy about it is he's like, I want to make clean energy sources. I want to make batteries that don't destroy the environment after we're done using them. I want to make um, engines that don't put out combustion exhaust. And he was like, I have all these ideas, but no one wants to listen to me. I'm going to make a toy and the toy is going to be so successful that I'm going to be able to convince people to listen to my other ideas because of this toy. It sounds insane. Like if you made a movie and that was the central idea of the protagonist, it would get changed immediately. Yeah. No one in their right mind would be like, your guy's scheme is he wants to invent a toy gun that shoots water so that he can then take that success and parlay it into making renewable energy sources? No, this is dumb. You got to pick one or the other. What is this movie about? Like, it's just so fucking crazy that he like had the foresight to know that this idea was that this he had, you know, a bazillion ideas patented a shitload of them, but that this is the idea that was commercially viable. This is the one that he would make all the money off of. And this would be the Trojan horse that would let him do the other work. It's crazy. It's fucking awesome. I love this guy. He's great. Hot take. Lonnie John John. Lonnie John John is my new bestie friend friend. Yeah. I don't know. So basically, does anyone to pay uh, Andrew and I to write a biopic about uh, Lonnie Johnson? I'd love it. Yeah. So. And all as much as I just pulled that name out of a hat and it was completely just supposed to be a non sequitur, Bokeem Woodbine. Yeah. In the biopic. Yeah, yeah. I would watch that movie. I mean, either that or... Uh, Melissa Benoist. Oh, definitely Melissa, Melissa Benoist. Yeah. She's the only one that can capture the gravitas of Lonnie Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. This has been Deep Cuts. Please sub the show and give us a rating. Stuff helps. You can find me online at www.heydavebaker.com. And you can find me in the center area of my apartment complex having a water gun war with all the neighbor kids. And also DA Price writes. We did it. I remember one 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 time uh, we got in trouble for shooting our water guns at some pigeons. And just to be clear, I was not doing it, but kids that I was with were doing it. And the apartment uh, superintendent yelled at us for doing it. And then I found out a couple days later that they were they had put poison food on the roofs to try to kill some of the pigeons because there was like a problem. And I was just like, you yelled at us for squirting them, but you were fucking poisoning them. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.